Many people will panic to find a charger before their phone dies, but won't panic to find a plan before their dream dies. Welcome to Mind the Words, where we break down quotes from thought leaders past and present to help us with the growth mindset. And this week's quote is by Charlie Munger. And he said, the first rule of a happy life is low expectations. And continuing, he said, that's one you can easily arrange. And if you have unrealistic expectations, you're going to be a, you're going to be miserable all your life. So just the background on Charlie Munger, his net worth is about $1.9 billion. His, he's the right-hand man of Warren Buffett, and he's the vice chair of Berkshire Hathaway. And I'm not sure, I forgot to look up their assets that they... <laughs> control but it's a lot we know what it is it's a lot so he was asked this in an interview Mm. and he was just like at first he was asked how do you live a long life because he's like 95 and the time of this interview he's like 94 93 or something like that and he's like i don't know like freak genetics uh i like that's just what i could muster it up to and then the interviewer was like kind of stumped and he's like or she's like Oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, how do you live a happy life? <laughs> He's like, well, that's really simple. Just uh, have really low expectations. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Out of all the unhappy moments in your life, Ernest, have you ever felt those unhappy moments or some that stick out to you? Were they because were they because of expectations were too high? I. All right. I don't think there's something I ever thought of thought of that way, but I would say that his view is on the opposite spectrum of what we typically hear. Sayings like, you know, sayings like reach for the moon and if you fall, you land on the clouds. However, this quote was taken from a shareholders meeting with little with you know, little context, you know, just like what makes you happy. It was meant to be hard hitting and funny and he's known known to be a straight shooter. And that was a bullseye that said, I believe if we ask, if we were to ask him to elaborate or expand on what he meant, he would give us gems, jewels, and diamonds. Um, Because in that very same quote, I hear things like, keep your expectations low so that you're always striving to improve on whatever it is you're building. I may be wrong. I could be right. But that's the beauty of quotes. In terms of my life, I would say this. I I guess I always had the expectation of being at a different level. In in the sense that I guess (laughs) we all had this dream of being a little more wealthy, but I never did things to put myself in that position, but just expect it, you know? Like you expected you were going to make it there. Yes. And you have this, I guess, reality hits you, but it hits you and you're still not moving. You're not still not doing the things you have to do to become wealthy. And I think that's why, or to move in that direction, that level that I thought I would be at or would like to be at. And it's not necessarily for happiness. It's for other reasons, but all right. I, I said so much. What was your question? What was the tail end of your question? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, all the unhappy moments in your life or ones that stick out to you. 
have you felt it was because that your expectations were too high that you were unhappy in that moment? So while I know I'm not in terms of being at a higher level, meaning having more wealth, I realize now that now I'm older and, you know, read certain things and put things together that maybe being at those levels won't make me happy. So, you know, I would say that throughout my younger years, I did thought that being at a certain level will make me happy. So it did, you know, I did try, I wish to move in that direction. If that answers the question, what about I, uh, yourself? I thought of Naval's quote, desire is a contract to be unhappy until you get what you want. Mm. When I thought of this, when I saw this quote and I was like, yeah, if I had no desires, keeping the bar low, I would be right. so happy. <laughs> right. Instead of disappointed all the time. You're right. At the same time, I thought of uh, Alex Ramosi's uh, quote. Mm. Uh, when we were talking about the last quote about beliefs and belief systems and how he said, what you deem to be meaningful in your life, depending on what that is, that'll massively shift the odds in your favor. That's true. So repeat that one more time for me. I'm paraphrasing, so it okay, might be no different worries. from what All I right. No worries, so, I'll get it. The meanings that you label in your life, like events, anything, depending on what meaning you put on it, it could massively shift the odds in your favor. All right. I like that. Or it could massively like paralyze you. <laughs> right. Can you give an example, maybe from your life or just a general example? And for the Alex Hermosi quote or the, uh, the, the Alex the, the quote. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um mm-hmm meanings in our lives uh so i gave a few examples in two podcasts ago but i'll give a i'll give a different one here okay. um uh so just to bring it to the business again to uh to food service okay um i while working in food service also while working a full-time job so i joined this bubble tea company mm-hmm. I don't want to say the name just for privacy reasons, but they're still around and okay. it seems like they're doing well <clears throat> and great guys too. Uh, love the partners. We were putting in so much work, like not just me, but all a lot of us were putting in so much work and it would be often like 12 plus hour days sometimes. And, and then I realized, oh, so we have the revenue, which is not profit. We have the revenue, which we have to take that to pay all the employees. We have to pay for all the equipment, pay, repay the debt, pay for all these other things, and then profit the margin, which means revenue minus expenses is the margin, the gross margin. And that's before taxes. <laughs> so I was like, this sucks. Right. I like so my meaning in that and there were fun times but there are a lot of hard times too and the hard times I absolutely hated absolutely hated um I loved our employees which like I learned so much from them and I, I loved all the partners the experience was uh if I had to say I loved it I didn't and during that time I was I was like, this is the worst decision I've ever made. <laughs> and you know, that's what I deemed it. And it was kind of bringing me down a little bit. It was like making me kind of sad at that moment in time. Okay. And, or like, not sad, more disappointed in myself. 
and maybe disappointed at the expectation to bring it back to the Charlie Munger quote, the expectation that uh, realistically, I thought, oh, I'm going to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> right, right. So the expectation, even though I wasn't expecting to make a lot, but I wasn't expecting to make as little as we as I did. Right. Um, after all the the margins were were taken out. Anyway, the meaning that I gave it was this was a terrible situation. Right. I'll never <laughs> do it again. Right. But then when I shifted my mindset to thinking, to giving that a different meaning, where instead of me thinking it was a huge waste of time, which I thought that was at that moment in time. And then when I got out of it, and maybe about six, more than six months passed after the fact, and I was like, you know what, it was, it was a pretty good opportunity. And it was a really good experience, because not many people get into a partnership with people they like, uh, with people who are cool. So that's one. The other one was, like, I learned that going into particular business and sectors it's hard to make money. And if the goal is to make money, depending on what the business is, then it's not going to be easy. Right. Um, especially in a, a biz, uh, an industry where margins are so low. Right. Uh, so it helped me think more of a business sense. And when I took lessons from it, instead of being resentful toward it, right. toward that experience, I was like, oh, I don't regret this at all. This was a great experience. Right. <laughs> like, even right. though I wasn't happy doing it, I, it was a great experience looking back. Right. You know, you have some insight on food service now. And you oh, yeah. could, you know, that that's knowledge a lot of people don't have. And you could help guide people towards it or away from it. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. know what it is. There's a lot of people who uh, just out of nowhere, not not that they even knew I was in food service, but right. it's a lot of people that came up to me and was like, yeah, I want to open up like a coffee shop. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't right. do it. See? <laughs> Those are words of wisdom. They, yeah, I, hope they like, mind, I hope they mind your words. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too, man. Well, this, yeah, this is, would be like consistent. Like right. some, like throughout the years, people would come up to me. Yeah, I think I want to open a coffee shop. And it's like, so you want people to come in buy one drink and freeload yes. off your Wi-Fi for five to six hours. Is that what you want? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be making any money. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> but I mean, all right, talking about that. So we have small little coffee shops here near where we work, where the rent is extremely expensive and I can't quite put it together or in my head how these how they stay open these small coffee shops maybe you can you tell me do you know how they actually say are they really selling that much coffee it depends so uh generally you want something like a La Colombe have you heard of that brand yes yeah so uh really great origin story uh Mm. they did something I forgot what to their coffee beans that were ahead of the time at the time and now everyone does it but right. uh, they were first movers so uh, generally if you're a coffee shop you're probably not going to make it if you just serve 
one area because say you you have the best case scenario you have barely any competition right um and just an example coffee has crazy competition right so, <laughs> so in that way you're already losing if you open up a coffee shop the other way is the margins the profit that they make on a day-to-day is not that high correct um so the only hope that they have kind of like a La Colombe where they have an online store they um ship coffee either grinded or not grinded coffee beans to to just people in their houses as well so they have other sources of revenue so it's that and then they also they don't cater but they they uh send their coffee to like to restaurants and then restaurants serve their coffee Mm -hmm. so that's that's how like la colombe kind of makes their money so if you're a mom and pop coffee shop right the odds are so stacked like unless you could totally stand out in the market uh with a particular product or service especially in that field right and then somehow uh so the way to increase the margins if you're not selling a product online or whatever on top of the coffee shop is right. you have to open more coffee shops. Got you. I see. So that's the only other way to expand your revenue and your margins is especially for physical locations of anything, especially right. restaurants. You They have to keep opening up locations and in turn, they have to keep going into more debt. Right but they pigeonhole themselves because this is the only way they're going to make more money out of more locations because with one location, they're going to outgrow themselves. If, right. If that, if right. they get to that. Point. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I think the ones that are killing it are like the La Colombes of, okay. I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong, but their type of business model. So everybody else is just a storefront for money laundering. Is that what you say? Allegedly. I always, every time I walk by these small couture coffee shops, you know, you have their, you know, their people, their customers that come in and out. But I said, it's no way they're paying rent around where we work with even constant foot traffic. Yeah. It's just they need too to expensive. Be a, yeah. They need to be a very known brand. Yeah. And maybe like you said, they do have a option where people do buy coffee online. And I just not aware of it. It's a possibility. I don't think that's the case, but I really maybe, don't know. Yeah. I don't but know. Around the Upper East Side, it's mainly franchises though. Okay. All right. Mainly. Gotcha. Uh, I would say very few mom and pop places. Yeah, very few. Yes, but... I do see them. I do yeah. see them. I honestly, I have no idea how they're surviving. <laughs> okay, all right. I was hoping you had the answer. Because, <laughs> like, they can't even take a day off. Those right. guys. There, there is they no day off. Have, there's no day off. They got, they got uh, Corona or something. They, mm. they got to come into work. They got to right. open up shop, or else they're losing money. Right. So it, it really sucks to well. I'm biased, but it really sucks to be in food service, mm-hmm. uh, especially as an owner. It's right. it's the worst. And uh, yeah, don't uh, do something <laughs> that has a storefront. 
right. So let me, I'm going to pull apart this quote. And it may be something we spoke about earlier in a previous podcast, but how would you define a happy life? Or what's your definition of a happy life? Happy or how life. has no, I know? <laughs> or how or how has it evolved? You can answer any way you want or any question. I think it's it's two part. So the first part is uh, something that Dan Blazarian said. He said, it's really hard for people to differentiate between pleasure and happiness. And a lot of people, even our age right now, can't differentiate the difference between pleasure and happiness. So first part is you have to differentiate between the two. So just an example, as as a younger 20-something-year-old, mid-20s, um, I thought happiness was getting a six-figure job or close to a six-figure job. And then going out all the time to all the parties and getting trashed. Right. <laughs> soon to, and not soon to find out, uh, later on to find out that you just keep, so going out, meeting people, getting drunk, gave you this much amount of serotonin to, to make you feel good, right? So, but then you have to keep doing more of it to just get to a normal level of feel good right and you you don't you've lost your baseline level of feel good mm. and and then you get to a point where you do it so much that you don't even feel good anymore right and that i realized was not was not happiness it was pleasure seeking so differentiating the both is really important the second part is once you do figure it out what makes you happy and not everyone gets there and that's sad right but once you do figure out what makes you happy keeping a balance between what like keeping a balance between everything you want to do on top of the happiness and sometimes it it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mix right got you i understand i like yeah. that what about like you man i forgot exactly the exact phrasing <laughs> of the of the question in short how would you define a happy life to you or how has it evolved over time with yourself and i think you gave a good timeline of how things were in the past and how you look at things now yeah how would you define right, it man right now you know let me start by saying i think i have a pretty happy life it's not it's not the most perfect life <laughs> I'm striving for more, but I wouldn't say my, I don't have a happy life. You know, when you, especially when you look at all the good or where you are, where you've moved. And if you look at the fact that we are constantly moving that goalpost, I would say I have a happy life, but I'd still want more. I think optionality, the quality or state in which choice or discretion is allowed would define a happy life for me. So the ability to work, travel, relocate, or do none of what I say, <laughs> you know, is what I'm striving for. Um, that said, I don't, I don't know that having optionality will equate to a happy life because I, I don't have that, that optionality yet. But I think it's a good thing to strive for, and better options seems like. Um, it has it is it has its advantages and i think that's what i'm going for optionality yeah optionality to do what you want 
to do what you want. All right. I think that's a good one to end on. Cool. Do you cool. have, wait, do you have a quote? Uh, not for this one, but I could probably right. think of something off the top of my head. What about you? Right. Yeah, I have one. All right. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Expect nothing but surprises from life. Short and simple. Nice, nice. I'm going to pull another Elon. <laughs> All right. Elon it is. It's uh, more about dreams. Many people will panic to find a charger before their phone dies, but won't panic to find a plan before their dream dies. Ooh, plug that in. Elon. I have to say that better. Let me just repeat that. I know. Repeat it. <laughs> Many people will panic to find a charger before their phone dies, but won't panic to find a plan before their dream dies. Nice. That's their take. That's, oh, man. <laughs> that's a good one. And I think that's a good note to end on, right? Cool, cool. Thanks for listening to Mind the Words. If you have any quote suggestions, email us at mindthewordspodcast at gmail.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and see you next week to expand the growth mindset. Let's grow.